Hello, how is everyone? It's cold outside. I just got back from my dog walk with Bernard and my tootsies are frozen. Brrr. Anyway, I am going to take you back to a warmer time, back to Dogfest last September, where I got to meet police dog handler Dave Wardle and his son Finn, together with his daughter Tia, probably the youngest online dog trainer in the UK. Welcome to a dog's best friend. You probably remember all hearing about the wonderful police dog, German Shepherd Finn, who had saved his partner, colleague, best friend, whatever you want to call it, his life, and was stabbed in the process. Dev would tell us all about that day and what consequently happened. We'll also talk to his amazing daughter, Tia, who, perhaps inspired by her father, became an online phenomenon this year. You'll understand why shortly. Before we talk to Dev and Tia, let me tell you more about my lovely sponsor, pet insurance provider, Bod by Mini. Having done some work with the Bod by Mini team this year, I got to learn a little bit more about what they do and how much they actually care about pets' health and well-being. I am so pleased they are my sponsor. Many of us think of pet insurance solely for accidents or illness, but there's a lot more to it. Bored by many also includes cover for behavioral treatments and have seen a huge rise in the number of dogs who need this kind of support. Even when you've tried your hardest to train your puppy and tried all the tricks and treats available, some dogs just need some extra help. Whether your dog is showing signs of anxiety or stress or isn't coping with life after lockdown, Bored by many supports owners with cover for behavior treatments all of which are included as part of their award-winning cover. Why not check out Bored by Many on bbm.link forward slash Audi to find out more. Now let's warm up with Dave and Tia. We've got this lovely duo here today, Dave and Tia. We, if you haven't heard about them, we're going to discover... Uh, why they were in the limelight a couple of years ago and why Tia is somehow still in the limelight um, with dumb dog training. So, um, good afternoon. How good are afternoon. you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. I could just see Finn lurking over to the right there. Oh, what yeah. we're going to do is, if it's all right with you, Ollie, we're just going to grab Finn up just to say a quick hello and then he's going to go back because he quite likes to shout at little dogs. So, oh, there we go. There we go. On, On cue. cue. Look at that. Perfect timing. So, Jem, if you want to just bring him up quick. Yes. You can say... Go, go around that way. Go around the other side. How long has he been retired for now? So uh, he retired in uh, March of 2017. So four, four and a bit years now. Great. Tell us about Finn's story. So, uh, so Finn, is, um, uh, he was born uh, into the police service. His mum and dad were both police dogs in West Midlands. And uh, so, so he started his career really young. Um, when uh, my force brought him from West Midlands, they brought him back to Hertfordshire. He went to live with a fosterer for nine years. And, and they live in the grounds of Hatfield House. They've got a small holding. So Finn was brought up with ducks, geese, um, uh, pigs. Uh, he, he, one of his best friends was a horse. He had a, a wonderful upbringing. Uh, and uh, as a fosterer of a police police dog uh, their job is to take them everywhere and show them everything so that when the police starts its work properly nothing is a su surprise to them they will have seen everything and met as many people as possible uh, then he came to me as uh, a nine-month-old very eager nine-month-old pup um, and our career started from there 
And then in 2016, is that right? Yeah. An incident so it, happened. That's it. We had an amazing career together. When Finn got to about uh, seven and a half, we were just a couple of miles away in Stevenage itself. Um, we we'd, uh, we were ch chasing someone through the streets. Um, and we didn't really know what he'd done. We thought he had a weapon. We thought he'd committed an offense. We didn't know. We thought the weapon was a stick. Um, we chased him into a back garden. He went to jump over, over a fence and then um, Finn pulled him down uh, and I was with them and I was I thought that was it. I thought I was about to arrest a guy and go back to uh, to the police station around the corner uh, for tea and medals and that would have been the end of it. But no, um, with that, here he comes. Here he comes, making all that noise. Let me just go and help my wife. Oh, there we go. Here he comes. So That's this clever. is Finn. This is Finn, my best what? buddy, my hero. Up you come, Finn. So this is Finn. So we, we then um, pulled this guy down off the fence, and uh, I thought that was the end of it. We were just going to arrest him and go back to the police station. And then, uh, Ollie, he thrust towards Finn. So Finn's got his leg in his mouth because he's pulled him off the fence. Um, and he thrust towards Finn, and I, I didn't know what he was doing. And it wasn't until he relaxed that thrust, and children, put your fingers in your ears, that um, I saw the biggest knife I've ever seen on the street, and it was coming out of Finn's chest. Now, Finn... Um, hello, pal. Yes, I know. You can't miss a limelight, can you? Um, Finn didn't uh, sort of run off and go and see to his injuries or anything like that. He stayed there. He stayed and he, he figured out what was about to happen next because the guy was then going for me. And Finn put himself in the way of that second thrust. Whilst, whilst he had a, a, yeah. a knife already in. Yeah, yeah. So at that point, we didn't know, Ollie. He had four holes in his lungs at that point from the first thrust of the knife. Um, and, and without doubt, he saved my life. With that, with that second action, he saved my life. I wouldn't be here talking to you today if it wasn't for him. But he still stayed in the fight because we had to disarm him. This guy had made his intentions very clear that he was prepared to do very serious things to get away that night. Um, and Finn didn't let go until backup arrived. He helped me disarm him. And it was only then that once we were safe, I asked Finn to let go and I could have a look at Finn. And of course, he was very, very gravely injured. And then, of course, you know, you, he was trained to be a, a police dog, but that's not something that you trained. The, the, the fact that he stayed, do you think that's something... That was something yeah. else in him. Well, I mean, you're a behaviourist, Ollie. You'll know that if, if any animal is seriously injured like that, they'll normally run off to find the first dark corner to either sort their wounds out or succumb to their, their, their wounds. But he stayed in the fight. And I think that's the loyalty. That's the loyalty that all, the, all, all of our dogs can show us. Um, you know, I don't know a human that would have done that for me. Um, and he stayed there. He would have stayed there. Oh, Dave, I would. Breath. I would stay for you. <laughs> Thank you, Ollie. Of course. <laughs> But that, and that does. I think that's part of that is the bond that we build or should build with yeah. these dogs. Um, part of it is is his training as well. But you know, it, you know, if if he didn't trust me, if we didn't have the bond, then he wouldn't have done that for me. Yeah, you weren't safe. You couldn't leave until you were safe as well. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Great. Yeah, I say he. I think he would have protected me until his last breath. And because I saw where the knife came out of, I thought. That must have gone through his heart. So I've probably got about 30 to 60 seconds before that's it. Yeah. Luckily, it missed his heart and we raced him off to the vets and um, we had to go to two vets, two different vets on blue lights until we found the right machinery to pump the air out of where it shouldn't have been in his lungs and allow his lungs to inflate. And then he had to go into surgery after that. Incredibly long tongue. Yeah. <laughs> He's an incredibly hot dog. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Does he want to? Does he want to get off stage now? Perhaps he's done pretty well. 
Yeah, so if you do want to come and say hello to Finn, you can go and um, you can pop down to the Thin Blue Poor Tent and say hello. He's probably going to say, no, I'm with my dad now. Go away. No, I'm not going. Well, if he wants to stay, we can... Just, just hang on, just in case he does get... Dave, what do you think makes a good dog trainer? Uh, so for me, I think it's... I mean, I, I, I guess I started dog training when I was a kid. I just didn't really know it. Um, for me, it's, it's about being able to to listen to being able to stop and and watch and listen and and you know not not looking and thinking what you want from the dog but actually looking for its strong points and thinking well how can i get that out of that dog how can i use all its natural abilities and desires to get the outcome that that i want rather than just storming in there and saying right yes we're going to do this this and this today actually just taking a step back um and watching i mean i'm a police dog handler i get to to spend all day with these dogs but um in between jobs we're we're off at, we we get to use these ground these amazing grounds here with our dogs and and it's a case of just sitting back and uh, and watching and taking the time to do that i mean i'm very lucky in the 21st century when it's all about technology you know you and i get to play with dogs all day long it's fantastic yeah absolutely so less about you for a little while a bit more about your daughter here would you like to introduce your daughter to everyone so ladies and gentlemen this is tia this is my uh, 11 year old daughter who's following in my footsteps and i think actually for an 11 year old she's probably well ahead of where i was at 11 so for, without further ado i'll hand you over to ollie and tia hi tia hi. so nice to meet you i've heard so much about you i've watched your videos amazing so um tell us what, what happened you did you always want to be a dog trainer I've always wanted to be a dog trainer. Um, I, I started thinking about it more when I was about six. And um, ever since then, I've always been watching Dad um, train other dogs uh, with his one-to-ones and his classes. And I've always listened to him and taken it in and used it for my classes and um, like my online canine kids club. Um, so I've always wanted to become a dog trainer. Great. And so um, I've asked your dad what makes a good dog trainer. What do you think makes a good dog trainer? I think what makes a good dog trainer is someone that teaches their dog to understand their dog and someone that tells their owner of the dog to be more dog and to listen and understand what their dog's thinking. So interesting. So your dad was talking more about the training when I asked him about the team and you already thinking more about the humans and how do you help the humans understanding their dogs? This is so nice. It's already a difference here. What do you think makes your dad such a great dog trainer? <laughs> I Remember think your what pocket makes money. my dad a good dog trainer is, um, like I said, that he teaches them to um, understand their dog and he... He doesn't give up. He, even if he sees um, some naughtiness in the dog, he doesn't take it as a very bad thing. He understands the dog and he talks him through it. Does he do the same with you? Yeah. You all were thinking this, right? Does he do the same with his children? Dogs are way easier to train than children are. In your bedroom. Come back when you thought about this. Yes, absolutely. Um, So tell us more about your canine kids club, please. So every Saturday at 9am I go live um, to teach kids and um, to teach kids how to behave around dogs and to teach kids to understand um, dogs dogs a bit more and to get them involved with their training. 
So, um, when did you start? I started um, at the start of the year in January. Um, I started during lockdown to uh, give the kids something to do. And instead of just kids, I had um, adults as well. All of them. Yeah. Yeah, she got an amazing adult following. And uh, apparently they they say that they love the way that she she gets things across. It's, you know, it's really easy to understand. So hopefully, yeah. It's clear. Yeah. And uh, how many followers, how many people in a class? Um, Do you do classes, right? This is a class every Saturday morning, your life. Um, I do it online. Yeah. Um, Online class, yes, yes. So I get yeah, yeah thousands. thousands. It can be up to ten, ten thousand. I think her first few weeks are third, sort of thirty thousand. So any dog trainers here? And that any dog trainers? Behaviorist? No, just just us there. <laughs> just a bit of competition here. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> uh, what would you say? I wanted to know what would you say is the first. If you're to start with a puppy, what would be the first? training you would get started with um capturing and counter conditioning so when i say capturing i mean um capturing the things that you like in your dog so if you want to um if your dog's not um getting excited at something then reward it if your dogs when you first get them and they do a sit then reward it if you want to teach sit in the future so what she's saying is rather than ask for it, just wait for it to happen and then reward yeah. it. And it is a great way of, of teaching a dog new new stuff. Yeah. And counter conditioning is where you is where you help your dog with their fears. So counter conditioning when um Star Border Collie Wonder, she um she got excited but also fearful around the sound of tractors. So we um we took her to this farm and it was a um it's kind of just an open farm day and there was tractors so every time the tractor would make a loud sound we would give her a treat to calm her down and help her with her you worked her from a distance first yeah from a distance first counter conditioning um i was going to do you want dave do you want to talk a bit more about counter conditioning God, I'm getting attacked by my dog. Um, yeah, so counter conditioning, it's one of those things that um, it can be very powerful. As Ollie said, you've got to be very careful about how you go about it. It's all about um, distance initially. So if your dog's fearful of something, you, what you don't want to do is drag them right into it. Well, that would be something called flooding. Um, and I think we, most of us, uh, flooding is still involved in certain aspects of training, but most of us have stopped doing flooding nowadays, thank God. Um, but counter conditioning is, is getting the dog right on the edge of, of, of where it sees that stimulus and hopefully before it starts to react to the stimulus and you gradually over time you just teach the dog that actually it isn't something to worry about and it is something that can be rewarding. You use rewards, um, usually food rewards, you can use toy rewards as well, um, just to try and teach, re-teach the dog uh, a new conditioned response when it sees that stimulus that it was previously uh, overwhelmed um, um, by. But it is, it's a long road and you do have to be very careful with it. Said. It's really easy to 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 poison the treat, to just giving the treat at the wrong time, and and then the, the, instead of the dog thinking that that horrendous trigger that used to scare the dog is actually becoming good news because it's associated with food, the food can get associated to that very scary trigger. So if you're not getting the timing right, 
it could actually make things way worse really quickly. So people will say, oh, I've seen another dog trainer. I have tried counter conditioning before. Uh, or I've looked at it online and I've tried to do it, but it hasn't worked. And usually it's because of that. It's because they were too fast. So yeah, if you're going to try this at home, just make sure you get right. Speak to a behaviorist. It's very powerful, but it's tricky. Great. So you would start with counter conditioning at an early age straight away. Love it. Amazing. <laughs> Boom. Um, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Can't believe I'm asking this, but I'm, so, I'm actually um, uh, curious. What, do you, what 10 years' time, what would you be doing? So, would you be in the UK? Um, I see myself, I would definitely have a base in the UK where drug classes. A <laughs> <laughs> um, I. I see myself um, that I've studied in university about dogs. Um, I I know my stuff and I uh, travel around the world to train um, people's dogs and help them with their behavioural needs. Um, You'll be training the trainers. Yeah. <laughs> you will. Um, do you want to work somewhere like, I don't know, Disney World or somewhere like this to train animals? Would you fancy doing something um, like that? Or you want to travel? I want to travel, yeah. I want to so so one, one, one of Tia's uh, heroes at the moment is Super Collie's mum on Instagram. She's literally, uh, she, she made it to the finals of America's Got Talent. She's got a load of collies. Oh, she yes. travels around uh, North America. Um, tra- and I think that's kind of in a big camper van. And I think that's something that Tia thinks, ooh, I quite like the idea of that. How do you feel about that? Actually, how do you feel about that? <laughs> oh, oh, I see. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's what I like the idea. As long as I can stay home and cut, the, she buys me a big tractor to cut the grass on her UK base. That'd be great. Yeah, great, <laughs> great. Mm, sounds like a plan. Um, I read yeah, that you really like to observe dogs. This is also my favorite pastime to just. Yeah. I always ask my clients, send me videos of your dogs, even if you think it's, nothing's happening. There's always something happening. Look, look at that. Um, having been here, have you been here all day? Uh, yeah. Um, what have you seen? So is it all good? Yeah. Oh. Um I've seen lots of dogs um playing together. I have seen um lots of dogs swimming in the canine um dip and dive over there. Um I've also seen um some dogs getting a bit overwhelmed and a bit hot, but um the owner has been a responsible owner and has taken them to get a drink or taken them to a nice quiet place to give them some time. Um, I've also seen some really calm dogs, some dogs that have been doing um, hill nicely next to their owner and lots of dogs doing some training as well. So I've seen lots of good in the dogs today. What about you, Dave? Yeah. Yeah, I've I've seen lots of... You and I, you and I the same. (laughs) Yeah, I have seen some dogs that are struggling today. Unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately, I'm a a bit of a a shade hopper, I'm afraid. I I always sympathise for the dogs. And um, as as soon as that sun came out at 11, I thought, oh, God, no. Um, So, yeah, I think generally speaking, most people are doing pretty well. Um, There is... what, What I love with Dogfest is there are lots of little corners and lots of shady spots and lots of quiet spaces where you can take your dog. I mean... You know, I have to think about it from, oh my goodness, you have to think about it from your dog's point of view. It's, um, it's, it's all right for us sort of wandering around and milling around, but actually there's so much.
much going on for them. So many smells, so many noises, so many noises that and smells that we're just not aware of. Um, and it can be quite an overwhelming, um, as, as you can see. On cue, literally uh, on twice cue, yeah, today. He's incredible, wow. isn't he? He did this on Britain's Got Talent. He was spot on. Wow. I know, I know. Now, um, we're going to ask some questions. Do you have any questions from the... Can we do that again? That was so good this morning. Do you mind taking questions from the from the public? Uh, yes, Dan. How was Finn once once the recovery from from surgery? Was there anything behaviorally that was radically different, or did he actually seem to settle down? Like, well, that happened. That was does a minor scratch. Yeah, it's a great, great question. question. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was never diagnosed, but he, he seemed to have. Um, uh, I guess you would call it post-traumatic stress. He seemed very disappointed with the world for about two to three weeks. And then after that, and I guess, of course, he would have been in a huge amount of pain as well. And then after that, it was just, you know, he was off. He, he picked up the ball, literally threw it at me and said, come on, we need to go back to work. Um, and his vet, who's, uh, who saved his life, he's a friend of ours now, he said he'd never seen a recovery in a dog like that. He said he has pet dogs come in and it's like the end of the world, whereas Finn, as soon as he was out of surgery and he was coming round from from uh, the anaesthetic, was trying to get up to, to come and find me and go back to work. So it's, it's something to do with having the working... Uh, the working lines in him and, have a, and having a job. And of course, he actually returned to work 11 weeks and one day later. Uh, and uh, on his very first job, it was our very first shout back. Um, we'd gone to a, a car that had been crashed and abandoned. I put him in his tracking harness, not knowing what to expect from him. He put his nose straight to the ground. Three quarters of a mile later, three days before Christmas on a starry night, he dragged me to a stable block and we found the guy hiding under a, a horse blanket. So uh, he definitely wanted to go back to work. That's for sure. He, you know, uh, if anything, when we got out of that car on that first job, I was still suffering mentally. He was just like, come on, dad, let's go. As you'll see with, you know, you know, pets as therapy and, and other uh, therapy dogs, this, dogs are wonderful at helping us uh, get over stuff because they, they do tend to live much more uh, in the moment than we do. You worked hard at passing a new law, didn't you? I wanted to I ask did, you about yeah. this. Tell us more about that law. So uh, uh, service dogs in this in this country weren't protected in law. So when Finn got attacked, his his uh, assailant was charged with criminal damage, which was would be the same as me break, breaking the jug in front of you or snapping your glasses. Um, and the public quite rightly thought that was outrageous, that this you know, this courageous animal that my bosses estimated saved the taxpayer about a million pounds by saving my life through you know investigations and coroner and court cases and stuff like that um, was being treated as if he was no more than just a chattel and so we started a petition a friend of mine started a petition which uh, got 127,000 signatures in 11 days which forced the government to debate the subject and actually um, because it, uh, this whole incident was came you know this whole thing came from a one really negative thing we tried to keep everything as positive as we could so we kept the campaign really positive so rather than having a go at government we engaged government and said well why don't you look at this why don't you look at Australia why don't you look at um, how well it's working out there um, and we, we just, encouraged... like, just like you train the dogs yeah exactly you can that treat the government just yeah. like the dogs there's oh, so much we can learn <laughs> from dog training um, and uh, yeah we we positively engaged government and MPs and we had this incredible campaign, which was such an a, a amazing thing to be part of. Um, and in just uh, two and a bit years, we managed to create a new law for service animals in the UK, which if you've ever seen campaigns, sometimes campaigns can go on for years and decades. Um, so we're very proud of the fact. And it wasn't us, it was the public that did it. The public were absolutely incredible. 
Um, and so, yeah, we've got Finn's Law, which is protect service animals. We also went on to push government uh, for increased sentencing for all animal welfare from the current, the, the maximum that which was then was six months to a new maximum of five years. And actually, in I think it was June of this, this year that was passed as well. So Finn's got an amazing legacy to leave behind him. Amazing. And what do you think about the um, the proposal to make pet abduction a criminal offence in England? So for me, I was talking about um, this to someone earlier on. I think it's important that governments and laws keep up with society. So 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, dogs didn't mean probably quite as much to us as they do now. Um, dogs have changed now. And our relationship with, you know, that. 15, 20, whichever book you read, 30,000 year relationship with how that we've had with dogs has evolved. And it's got to the point where they are our companion animals. You know, my, nobody greets me when I come home quite as enthusiastically as my six dogs do. The children barely, Tia. yeah, I know, barely lifts her head out of her dog training book to see that I'm home. The wife, well, you know, maybe I'll get a hello. But the dogs are all there going, oh, my God, hello. And I think, especially through lockdown, we've seen how important these animals are to us. And I think it's important that the law reflects that. So if your dog is stolen, it shouldn't be treated the same as if your vase had been stolen or your, you know, your tennis racket was stolen. It's a member of your family. You know, if, if my daughter was kidnapped... Um, I'd be devastated. If my dog was kidnapped, I'd be devastated too. So I think it's only right that um, the, the law is looked at and, and, and changed. And do you think this, if it passes, do you think it'll make a difference? That's always a tricky one. We were asked that with Finn's Law. So um, hopefully, I, I really hope so. Because you can see that from a from working on the ground as a policeman. Yeah, I, I must admit, I've been a police officer for 19 years and I stopped looking at the results of court results for people I arrested after about six months. So 18 and a half years ago, I stopped actively looking at the court results of the people that I'd arrested because you just, some days you just wouldn't turn up and do what you're doing, get into the stra scraps you get into and, you know, running through people's back gardens at three o'clock in the morning, knowing that the, all the judges are going to do is, is, you know, tut 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 and and give them a slap on the wrist and let them go so it's important that the law is looked at and fingers crossed it will be changed and then it will be down to the judiciary to decide whether mm. they're going to hope what mm. tends to happen when a new law comes out is the judges are hard to begin with to send out a message and then um we'll see what happens from yeah. there i mean they're under a lot of pressure as well they don't the government don't want them to send people to prison yeah. so who knows Guys, thank you so thank much you for having us. Uh, for coming, and I look forward. What did you do this morning? Were you live on on Facebook the, this morning? The, no, in the main arena here. Ah, great, amazing. Okay, thank you so much. Round of applause, please, Tia, Dave, thank you, and Finn. What a brilliant duo, dog trainers. We can rest happy knowing we definitely have the next generation of trainers ready. If you've enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to a dog's best friend. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram. You can find me at Olegis Dog Trainer. That's at Olegis Dog Trainer. And as always, remember to be your dog safe place. <laughs>